Good morning. My name is Lindsay Slocum, and if I have not met you yet, I am so glad to see you. Welcome to Kairos Church. If you have not had a chance to scan that QR code yet, if you are visiting, if you're our guest this morning, we're delighted you're here. We want to know you're here, we want to know your name, and we want to follow up with you and continue to welcome you. If you don't know anybody's name, you and I have that in common. So feel free <laughs> to sign in, and we want to follow up. We want to learn your name. We want to learn about you and continue to welcome you to Kairos Church. So thank you for being here this morning. I want to make sure you heard Miriam as well. There, I think there was a slide up that we, have enter, we are entering into a season where we are looking for the, the four next people who will serve on our leadership team. The leadership team is the governing body of Kairos, and every year there's a process of nominating people and putting those people in, uh, training them, putting them on leadership, and then they help make the decisions uh, and all the important things that are going on around here. If you want to be part of that or you know someone who would be a good fit for that, I'd love for you to email that address that I'm sure was on the slide and, uh, and submit that name and tell us a little bit about that person and we can begin considering what that looks like as we continue to move forward. We're, we're entering into a new chapter and, and we want to make sure we've got a team of people that are going to help vision and think that through. So prayerfully consider that and who you think might be a good fit for that. We have entered into a season of Lent. If you were able to join us either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, you know it was a fantastic way for us to kick off this season of Lent with Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday. If you were not able to join us, we missed you, and we will look forward to continuing to journey through the rest of Lent together with you. Lent is 40 days. As we it started on Ash Wednesday, it's going to be 40 days that will go through Easter Sunday. It doesn't count Sundays. Sundays is always a day of resurrection, so it's the rest of the days that will take us 40 days to Easter. So we're going to look then at Scripture as Jesus begins to make his way toward the cross, as Jesus journeys toward Easter, and we do the same. We're going to look at Jesus' journey together. So as we turn to scripture, let's first go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we do give you thanks for this day, for this time to be together, for this time to be at your feet. So God, we pray that you would be present, that the words that are read are your words, the words that are spoken are your words, and the words that are heard are your words. And may this encounter with you be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your holy name we pray, amen. I'm gonna read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter nine, and I'll start at verse 51 and read through verse 55. I would invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of them. On their way, they entered a village of the village. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, "Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them?" But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So that passage that we just read in Luke chapter 9, it opens with the sentence that Jesus set his face on Jerusalem. And with that sentence, with that phrase, we are entering now into Jesus' journey to what we're going to now call Holy Week. We are, are journeying toward Jerusalem. We are journeying toward the cross. And so from that verse in chapter 9 all the way through the middle of chapter 19, Luke is going to tell us all about that journey, who Jesus meets on that journey, the things Jesus needs his followers to know, who he wants us to be. That's often called the travel narratives. And we're going to spend the next several weeks looking at those passages. And, and what is it that Jesus is doing? What is he teaching us about being his followers as we all make our way toward the cross? So we open the section with Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now the Greek word there for set means to place firmly, to set fast, to render constant. It's a steadfast resolve that Jesus has to go where God's calling and to do what God's designed for Jesus to do. It's actually this verse where he, he's talking about him being set, setting his face. It's actually a callback to a passage in Isaiah where the prophet is talking about the suffering servant and in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says, The Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. Set in stone. The resolve, it's, it's clear and confirmed that this is what Jesus is to do. Because, like Drake, Jesus is committed to God's plan I'm sorry, <laughs> but I did it anyway. He is committed to that which God has called him to do. He is committed to moving forward towards the cross, pressed on by his love for us. Jesus is resolute. He's tenacious about what he's going to do. The other thing I want you to see about this sentence, about Jesus setting his face toward Jerusalem, is I want you to notice that it's important to Luke that we understand Jesus' very posture as he goes into this journey. That he wants us to know Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem, toward the place that God is calling him to. It's a physical image of physical picture of Jesus literally turning his body, opening up his posture to God. I don't know if you are a dog person, but it turns out that dogs, we learned this with our dog, that dogs are very selective about who they're going to show their belly and their chest to. It's a sign of vulnerability or trust for a dog to show you his belly for a good belly rub. And I like that because I, I think that that's similar to what's happening here. This, this idea, this posture of Jesus opening up his, his, and setting his face toward the place that God's calling him, it's a sign of vulnerability towards God's call. It's a sign of deep trust in the one who's calling him forward. So Jesus working his way toward the cross, it's an act of trust in God and an act of deep love for us. 
Now, the thing that I want you to know about this, so we, re we started reading in chapter 9, verse 51, but what I want you to know is just a few verses earlier, not that many verses earlier than this, but same chapter, just a few verses earlier, Jesus takes his besties up onto a mountain, and so Peter and James and John go up onto the mountain with Jesus, and Jesus is transfigured before them. This gorgeous moment of holiness, it's, it's the most holiness that human eyes can see. And Peter and James and John are so excited with this transfiguration that says, Jesus, I know what we'll do. We'll build dwellings and we will live here in your glory. And it's going to be amazing and we'll just sit and be glorious and holy forever and ever right here on this mountain. It'll be so perfect because we love those holy moments that are beautiful and warm and comfortable and delightful. That's my favorite part of following Jesus. The really beautiful moments. Those are the parts that I can get behind. I saw this article one time about this practice called grounding. All cards on the table. I didn't read the whole article, but... <laughs> So I don't know if I'm doing the practice correctly, but I wiggle my toes in the moments that feel so beautiful and so wonderful. I wiggle them to feel the ground beneath me, to help me settle into the moment so I can truly be present there and I can hold on to that moment as fully and as long as I can. And so I wiggle my toes when I get to, to be, uh, watch my children do the things that they love. I wiggled my toes last year when we went to the fair and we were on the swings and we're flying through the air and I look over and my children are throwing their, their heads back in joyous laughter. I wiggled my toes on my first Sunday here. I wiggle my toes on those moments that God is so palpably present that the moment is so beautiful and so holy that I want to hold on to it forever and ever. But the thing about following Jesus is that eventually the ride comes to an end or the game is over and those moments don't last as long as I want them to. And so when Jesus and James and John and Peter are up on that mountain, Jesus tells them, we're not going to build a dwelling here. That we're going to come down off of the mountain because there's still work to do. It's time, Jesus says, to begin the journey toward the cross. We don't get to hide in those sweet and comfortable moments. That there, we move then toward that which gives us even more life. Jesus is moving, and it is our job to keep following. Now, at this point in the text, Jesus knows why we're headed to Jerusalem. Jesus knows that we are headed to more life, that we are headed to grace and love and the completion of God's story. But the followers do not. All they know is that they're supposed to follow. All they know is that they are required to keep going, to develop that deep and resolute trust. And we see in our passage this morning, we see Jesus says, it's time to journey. And the very first thing that happens 
is that the journey is hard. Immediately, the very first moments of the journey are a challenge. So they begin this journey to the cross, right? And they enter into Samaria, which is always a risk anyway, because the Jews and the Samaritans are no kind of friends. There is a deep hatred that's been going on for hundreds of years there, and that's the place that Jesus chooses to be the first stop on the journey. Classic Jesus. So they go into Samaria, and the Samaritans do not accept them. The text tells us the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus because his face was set on Jerusalem. And it's enough to anger James and John. Their, their, their Jesus has been rejected and they're angry and those sons of thunder decide that the only reasonable recourse is to torch the place. So the very first lesson that we get from Jesus on this journey, the first thing Jesus demonstrates to us is not to rebuke the Samaritans who have rejected him. Instead, Jesus rebukes James and John. Now, I suspect that's for a couple reasons. I think he knows that James and John know better. They've been following Jesus. They know how Jesus feels about loving your neighbor. But I wonder if what's even more than that is that Jesus is disappointed because instead of being focused in on following Jesus, James and John are more concerned about their own agenda. It's a great agenda. They're defending Jesus. It's a great agenda. But it's their own agenda. And I think that's why Jesus rebukes them. Because it If we're going to be in, if we're going to follow Jesus, Jesus is clear, we have to be all in, committed and resolute to this path that Jesus is journeying down, that we are being called to follow. John Wesley is often credited with being the father of the Methodist movement, and and he wrote a sermon, preached a sermon one time called The Almost Christian. And there's a line in that sermon that says, Many there are who go thus far. Ever since the Christian religion was in the world, there have been many in every age and nation who were almost persuaded to be Christians, but it avails nothing before God to go only thus far. It's hard to follow Jesus And we are tempted to only go thus far. But Jesus is real clear in our scripture. It's not going to be easy, but we have to keep following. We have to keep following Jesus and not stop at thus far. And it's not going to be easy. Because in order to follow faithfully, we're going to have to have a hide like a rhino, but a heart like a child. Because we're going to have to keep moving, and we don't get to stay in those beautiful and comfortable and delightful places. Because we're going to have to travel through the hard parts when the world is rejecting the one that we follow. Because Jesus is going to ask us not to be about our own agenda, but instead to be resolute and tenacious about the journey, just as he is. Because sometimes Jesus is going to ask us to put things down, things that we really like. 
Because sometimes Jesus is going to ask us to pick stuff up, stuff that we don't want to carry. Because sometimes Jesus is going to lead us to places that we would rather not go. And sometimes Jesus is going to bring people into our lives that we would rather not know. Because Jesus is going to give us gifts that we don't always want to hold. But there is still work to do. And so we are steadfast and resolute in following Jesus, always being called to keep going, keep following. We'll be tempted to look back. We'll be tempted to go back to those comfortable and delightful places. It's hard to keep moving forward when you don't know where you're going and why you're going there. Sometimes we're even in really hard places, and it's still tempting to never leave those places. Craig Barnes is the recently retired president of Princeton Seminary, and he says people often prefer the misery they know to the mystery they do not. Even if we are in a place that's hard, at least we know and understand the hard. But the mystery of not knowing scary. So we're tempted to stay where we know. But Jesus says if we're going to be committed, we have to keep moving forward. We have to keep following. That as hard as the following is, that's where the life is. There's life on the road to following Jesus. And so keep our eyes on Jesus. Lilas Trotter was born in 1852, and she grew up with parents who taught her about the love of Jesus. She's a brilliant artist, and her parents provided her every opportunity to exceed at her craft. Unfortunately, her parents died when she was very young. And because of that, she felt called to, to minister to the world, that the world would know the love of Jesus the way that she had gotten to know the love of Jesus. And so she begins ministry in her hometown. But eventually that call led to a call to do missionary work in Africa. It was costing her. She had to put down her paintbrush. She had to leave the comforts of London as a young, single woman and move to Africa. She lived there in the desert for 40 years, faithfully traveling a path, keeping her eyes set on Jesus. She wrote a poem that inspired a hymn that I'm wondering if you've heard before. It goes like this. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We keep our eyes on Jesus, and that's what allows us to keep following that we are constantly looking for Jesus. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we gather together and we worship together. That's why we study scripture together. 
That's why in just a moment we're going we're gonna to stand and we're going to pray for one another, that we're going to go to God on behalf of one another. It's why we take meals to our families when they're having babies or when they're grieving to care for one another. It's why we make commitments to our ministry partners to serve this community that our church has been called to. It's why financial generosity is one of our spiritual disciplines. Friends, this is how we see Jesus. This is how we keep our eyes on Jesus. This is our reminder of life and Jesus among us as we follow together. And so today, we mark this journey, this journey of Lent that we're all on together as we work our way toward the cross the whole point of this next season of Lent is that we would, we would remind each other of Jesus' presence, that we would encourage one another on this walk to keep following, even when it's hard, quite frankly, especially when it's hard, to be so busy running after Jesus that we are not distracted by the things of this world that will take our attention. So I'm going to invite you then to be intentional about this next season, these next several weeks, I would love for you to mark it with some sort of a discipline. I'm sure that you've heard that there are people that choose to fast during this season. If that's the discipline you're choosing, I would encourage you to fast from something that you find to be distracting from your relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we use that fast as like a Jesus diet and lose a little weight, and I'm going to encourage you not to do that, but to fast from something that's distracting from, your, from following Jesus. I want you to know that we're going to be reading through the book of Luke all through the season of Lent. I'd love for you to join us on that. Or maybe you take on going on a prayer walk every day or opening or closing your day with the Lord's Prayer. Maybe volunteering with one of our local ministry partners. But find a way to help you stay focused this season on the one that we're following. I don't know what we're going to pass through on our journey. I don't know who all we're going to meet. I suspect there are going to be beautiful and glorious moments together, but I am certain there will also be hard moments, moments that feel more like wandering in the wilderness than traveling a well-marked path. But together, we'll keep following. We'll keep our eyes on Jesus because we know that's where life is. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Holy God, we do give you thanks for this journey that you have us on. And so, God, help us to be focused on you. Help us to be focused on Jesus and where Jesus leads, that we would know you better, that we would know life better. In your name we pray. Amen.